welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week we're looking at some hard words from Jesus about possessions and ownership and about where our heart truly lies. Gospel according to St. Luke. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost? to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, He sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. be seated. So as most of you know, I have two kids. I have a daughter and a son. And my son Patrick thinks that the world revolves around me. I am his absolute favorite person. This irks my wife to no end, but it's true nonetheless that that Patrick thinks that I am the sun and the moon, which on one hand is really, it's wonderful. Right, to know that kind of love. His, his probably his happiest, uh, being is, would be to sit in my lap and holding his, his stuffed penguin bear. That would be his greatest joy. And it's wonderful to feel this, this love, this connection, this, this sense that, that he, he just wants to be with me. It's also a little relentless and can be kind of annoying because as much as he loves me, he also has a sense that he sort of possesses me, right? He gets upset if I, if I go anywhere. I'm like, that's every day when I come home, that's his first question. Do you have anywhere to go tonight? 
And usually, of course, the answer is no. On Thursday nights, I do go somewhere. We play trivia at the Polish home. And he's like, can't you not go to the Polish home this week? No, nobody. I'm going to go. I have other friends. And so as I've had children, it's made me really kind of think back and reflect on my own experience as a child and my own relationship with my parents. And, and as I experience this, this primacy of place in my son's life, I also am aware that it's not going to last, right? It's, it's a period that we're we're passing through. I can see it already in my daughter, who's five years older, that she's, she's going to be 11. She's a tween. And it used to be just like this with her, except with her mother. In fact, Zella once told me that, Daddy, I love you 10, but I love Mommy 100. That our children, when they're little, we probably, most of us can remember this if we, if we had children, that when they're little... We are everything to them. But, but they grow, and they become their own people, and they need to, to create some sort of separation, some space. And, and though that, that isn't here yet, I'm, I'm beginning to see it already in Patrick, because this is the year he started kindergarten. And before this, he was in preschool, and he went to preschool here at church. So we would come together every day, and I would drop him off, and I would say goodbye, and I'll say, I'll see you in a minute, because then I would drive around to the other side of the building where my office is and, and go to work, and I'd see him through the day, and we were together, and, and he would see me during the day and want to give me like a hug and a kiss, which was always really wonderful. But now, now he's not with me. Now he's at school, the big school, with his sister, and he rides the bus, and he thinks that's great. But he's not with me. And so when I think about our children, we tend to think of our children as, as ours. And I know especially when they're little, because that's where I'm at right now, we have this sense of possessiveness about them. And a sense that what they do somehow impacts and reflects on me. Um, and in the past, of course, we actually thought of our children as, as possessions, as things we, we literally owned, right? Our ancestors thought of themselves as owning their children, right? And so there was, there were no, there were no laws, there were no boundaries to what a parent could do to a child. That's not where we are now, but, but that idea that our children are somehow possessions still, I think, exists in our society and in our culture. And when I think about how Patrick loves me and how I love my children, and I think about how even I love my own parents, this, this lesson from Jesus here sounds really harsh. If you don't hate your father and your mother and your wife and your children, you cannot be my disciple. That cuts to the quick. And yet what I think that Jesus is talking about here is not the kind of hatred that we think about, right? Where we despise something, where it fills us with disgust. I don't think he wants us to despise our children and our spouses and our mothers and our fathers. In fact, it's a commandment that we should honor our mother and our father. And so I don't think when Jesus talks about hating that he's talking about the kind of hate that we normally associate with that word today. That what Jesus, I think, is talking about is about um, priority and hierarchy. 
What things do we put first in our lives? What is at the core of who we are? And that if we think about our relationships with our parents and our children and our our spouses and and our, our family and the people who are near and dear to us, Jesus tells us the first and primary relationship that we should hold on to is none of those but our relationship with God, our creator, as the psalm says, the one who knit us in the womb. That that we are first and foremost children of God. And so it's important for us to keep that center, to keep that as the point of focus for us in our lives. And to understand that, that the relationships that we have with people, though they are important. They are of primary importance, as a matter of fact. Relationship and the integrity of relationship is an essential core of Christian life, and yet at the same time, we know that all the relationships that we have in this world are transitory. That the people we love, they die. That our children, they grow up and become their own people. Maybe they move away. Our relationships change They alter. We have to adjust to them. But our relationship with God is unchanging. That the love that God has for us never wavers. It never alters. It never diminishes. That God's love is sure and strong and offers to us a way of living in the world that will get us through the transitory nature of our other relationships. That as those relationships grow and prosper or diminish and decline, that God's steadfast love is there for us. And so it seems kind of awkward in this thing that Jesus is talking about, about how we have to put aside our relationships in the world and remember our primary relationship with God. And then he has these stories about about the builder and the king. And then he ends with, so you can't be my follower unless you give away all your possessions. And I think that our when we think about our love for, say, our children, and the example that I gave of, of my son, that though we have often thought of that kind of love as something that we possess, that we own, the truth is that we don't own it. In fact, we don't really own anything except ourselves. That we, we bring nothing into the world. We take nothing out of the world. All of the things that we count as ours are not really ours, not permanently. And in fact, of all of the things that we think we possess, there is truly only one that we can, we can really hold on to, and that is the love of God. And so when Jesus asks us to be his disciple, he wants us to go into that relationship with our eyes wide open, to understand the primacy of God in the creation of the world, in our lives, and to understand that that we need to walk lightly and hold on with a gentle grasp to the things that come into our possession in this world because they aren't ours forever. That everything we have, everything we have ever had, is ultimately God's, the Creator's. 
that as Christian people, we are called to be stewards of creation, <laughs> stewards of the relationships of our lives, to, to hold them up, to, to, to give them strength, to care for them tenderly, to be stewards of the resources that come in their, into our control, to use them for the betterment of society, to not, not hoard things away for just ourselves, but to see that we will never thrive if our neighbors don't thrive as well. We are never truly prosperous so long as anyone around us is in suffering or in want. And to be stewards of creation, of this world that we live in, to use the resources that God has given us responsibly and wisely for the benefit of generations yet unborn. That Jesus invites us into seeing the world in a new way, not in terms of what it can give us, not in terms of what can be mine, but in terms of how do I care for what is God's, including myself. That the relationships that we know in this world aren't ours to own, but that they are ours to be stewards of. That this creation that we find ourselves in isn't some sort of never-ending supply closet where we can take from it whatever we want and it magically refills itself. That the society in which we live is one that we craft and that we have a responsible responsibility for the welfare of our neighbors and those around us. Jesus invites us in the relationship because it is what we were created for, where we find our greatest joy. And this vision that Jesus offers, once we have seen it, once we have glimpsed the promised land, then there's no turning back. There are no alternatives that are better. There is not a way of life that is more fulfilling than the one that Jesus invites us into. And so I don't think Jesus is asking us to hate anything, but he is reminding us of what is important, what comes first, and where we should put our energy. Because when we are right in our relationship with God, then all of the other things come to their best place. That when we are right with our God, then our relationships are strengthened, our, our society is strengthened, our care of the environment is strengthened, and that all of us can live in dignity and thrive and prosper in a world that is equitable and just and merciful. The love of God is unbreakable. It is undiminishable, and it is ours to live in. Amen.